Thakwa, the Windwalker, or the Windago, is a fictional character in the Cthulhu mythos of H.P. Lovecraft, the titular creature described in August Derleth's short story, A Thakwa, which was based on Algernon Blackwood's tale, The Windago. It controls snow, ice, cold, and can walk through the sky as easily as it walks on Earth. This episode is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com. Subscribe to PGTTCM with D.B. Spitzer and Sarah Fee whenever you subscribe to podcasts. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, we use Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Some folks use Stitcher. 1001, Series 10, Episode 1 of Series 10, Episode 108. Thakwa, the Windago, and Rantagoth with Ken Height. Check out our new website over at www.pgttcm.com. Check out new PGTTCM merch over at pgttcm.threadless.com. Two new shirts. Check out our Rat Fink inspired Sathagwa shirt and our new Join a Cult shirt. Remember to listen to Dave's Corner of this podcast and check out his website over at davescorneroftheuniverse.com. Check DB out at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival this year, first weekend of October at the Hollywood Theater in glamorous Hollywood District of Portland, Oregon. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PGTTCM and YouTube at Black Clock Audio. And listen to Black Clock Audio Tales, our daily podcast about spooky stories. Stories about the gothic tradition, folklore, and more. Written and edited by D.B. Spitzer. Audio by Sarah Fee and D.B. Spitzer. Help the show by sharing, rating, liking, or five-star giving wherever you listen to or rate podcasts. Support the show by hitting the patron button at pgttcm.podbean.com or by going to paypal.me slash pgttcm. Recorded at Badger's Drift Studio in glorious North Portland, Oregon. Want to eat snacks, drink beer, and be on a podcast? Go to pgttcm.com and click info to find out more. We are accepting groups as large as four currently. Learn the basics of brewing and podcasting. Speaking of beer, join our beer cult. Help the studio's day-to-day operations keep moving. Get your name mentioned in every episode of PGTTCM and Black Clock Audio Tales that you're a member of the beer cult. Did you mention beer? Yes. That's right. A beer of the month. Local pickup only, no shipping or... Or arrange for a six-month yearly pickup for $5 a month. Must be 21 or over to receive the beer. And you'll get your name mentioned in every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you... Oh, uh, also, we have The Shirt Cult. For $25, get a shirt based on that month's theme. Specify PGTTCM or Black Clock Audio Tales when joining. Plus, you get the same uh, benefits as Beer Cult membership. So that is... Uh, beer, if you want it, you don't have to get it. And your name mentioned in every episode. Okay, then the next tier up is the Advert Cult. Yes. Become a monthly sponsor and get an ad for pre, mid, or post roll in every PGTTCM and Black Clock Audio Tales episode, plus the Beer Cult membership as mentioned above. Must be 21 or over to become a member of the Beer Cult, and no, we will not ship it to you no matter what. We know what happened to Tommy Chong. (laughs) <laughs> Local pickup only. Local pickup only. 
Ithakwa is one of the great old ones and appears as a horrifying ghast with a roughly human shape and glowing red eyes. He has been reported from as far north as the Arctic to the subarctic where Native Americans first encountered him. He is believed to prowl the Arctic wastes, hunting down unwary travelers and slaying them gruesomely, and is said to have inspired the Native American legend of the Wendigo and possibly the Yeti. Athakwa's cult is small, but he is greatly feared in the far north. Fearful denizens of Siberia and Canada often leave sacrifices to Athakwa, not as worship, but as appeasement. Those who join his cult will gain the ability to complete. Those who join his cult will gain the ability to be completely unaffected by cold. He often uses Shantax, a dragon-like lesser race, as servitors. A race of subhuman cannibals known as the Noke also worship him, along with Rantigoth and Afumza. Ithakwa figures prominently in Brian Lumley's Lovecraftian-based Titus Crow series, ruling the ice world of Borea. In Lumley's works, Ithakwa periodically treads the winds of space between Earth and Borea, bringing helpless victims back to Borea to worship him among his snowy wastes. He frequently attempts to reproduce with humanoid females, hoping to create offspring which can surpass his own limitations imposed by the Elder Gods, and so help free the rest of the great old ones. It is suggested that Ithakwa has the ulterior motive also of desiring offspring to assuage his bitter loneliness, as he is the only one of his kind. None of his surviving offspring to, the, to date has accommodated him, all turning against him at some point. Anders Fagers, The Wish of the Broken Man, describes how 18th century Scandinavian Sami worshipped Itaka and calls on him to create blizzards. It also fingers Itaka Ithakwa as responsible for the 1718 uh, Karelian Death March. The Karelian Death March in Swedish, known as the Karelinas Adoltmach, or the catastrophe of Olafelia refers to the disastrous retreat of the Swedish Karelian army under the control of Carl Gustav Armfeld across the tidal mountains across the Torndelag around the year 1718-1719. Remember to check out Dave's Corner of the Universe and check out Dave's special every month, whether it be part of PGTTCM, Black Clock Audio Tales. Dave's doing something, and he's doing it pretty cool. So check him out, and check him out at Dave's Corner of the Universe. Also, this episode is brought to you by bunnieslippers.com and founditemclothing.com, t-shirts from your favorite cult films, and slippers of your favorite animals and favorite pop culture things. Check them out, bunnieslippers.com, founditemclothing.com. Up next, Ken Height talking about whatever he wants to, but mostly frosty space monsters. And welcome back to People's Guide to Cthulhu Mythos. I am your host, D.B. Spitzer, as I said in the intro. Let's just repeat all that information. And with me today is Ken Height. Hey! Hey! 
How's how's it going? How was uh, DragonCon and Dragon Necronomicon? Necronomicon was even more amazing. Nice. They were both great. Uh, while at DragonCon, I got to be uh, the the RPG panels are getting more and more people yeah. every year. It just grows. The the hobby is blowing up. Lots of new young people showing up, and especially for like sort of. Uh, we did the GM's tips panel, myself and uh, my fellow game designer, Eloy Lasanta, uh-huh. and uh, we had a standing room only crowd. It was like over 250 people. They were shuffling people in and out so that the people standing out line could at least get some of the panel. That's how full it was. And so many of the questions were, I've just started running. It's my first game. And it was, it was just so great to see that the energy was so strong there That's for cool. gaming at uh, Dragon Con, and I, and I assume then, amongst uh, the young and the nerdy in general. And so I'm I'm super excited to see that my uh, my art form is is re blowing up, and that's that's lovely. And then yeah. also while I was there, I got to be on a, a panel about the film Nosferatu uh, with uh, a lot of well with two other excellent uh, uh, hosts who were very very knowledgeable, but only one of them was the grand nephew of Bram Stoker, Mr. Dacre Stoker. So that oh, was pretty cool. great. Um, I'd met him before on a different uh, panel at Dragon Con, and uh, he pretended to remember me, and it was it was very lovely. <laughs> and we talked about Nosferatu, which is a, a, a classic masterpiece, uh, ultimate pinnacle movie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they showed it, and a band, a band, a two-person combo, electric bass and vocals called Valentine Wolf <laughs> formed a sort of, um, uh, it's, it's not jazz, but in, in the sense that it's an impro- improvised accompaniment uh, to it. It was uh, it was really great to see it with its own score uh, being created in that moment by the, by the artist. And it's, of course, a magnificent movie. And we managed, I think, to set the scene a little bit so people weren't laughing when uh, uh, Orlock walks fast. Oh, cool. Uh, which is always the one, the, the worry is that people, yeah. like, you know, they, they flash on Benny Hill and then uh-huh, you, uh-huh. you lose them. But uh, yeah. I think we sort of sunk the hook a little bit and people were good. Um, or maybe, once again, Generation Z is just better than, than all other generations. They're more polite, so good for them. But uh, either way, it was it, that was another packed house. Uh, Dragon Con has got an amazingly good panel tradition. Um, and so it's always a joy to, to get to come down there and help out. And this year I got to help out on the horror track as well as the gaming track, which was fun. And then Necronomicon, oh my God, what a great show. DB, I can't believe that you weren't there. Well, I kept I looking yeah. around <laughs> expecting to see you. That's how you that show was. Yeah, that's what I um, understand. Down to the sort of the funky old Biltmore Hotel, now The Graduate, where they sort of center the, the, the affairs at. Mm-hmm. That seemed very your speed. And then, of course, Lovecraft, uh, literally up to up to the follicles. Um, uh, lots of activities, tons of panels. Uh, academic presentations, which this year I did not get to because I had, was on uh, plenty of panels and we had other mm-hmm. stuff to do. Uh, you know, a great dealer's room for Lovecraftian books and games and paraphernalia. Nice. And then so many great guests, Molly Tanzer, mm-hmm. Dempo Torishima, uh, Victor Laval, holy crap, uh, me, uh, Peter Cannon. It was just an amazing, an amazing thing. If you're any kind of Lovecraftian, my friend, uh, do what you got to to get there in 2021. Uh, wow, yeah, such a good show. And Providence even was the weather was even good, which normally it's terrible because it's August. But the, apparently the the August weather broke literally the first night we were there, and then it was just 
beautiful. And so it was a, as opposed to sometimes, it was a positive joy to be out walking around the streets of Old Providence and looking at Lovecraft's birthplace and whatnot. And uh, no one was uh, uh, sweating themselves into some sort of Cthuloid state. It was, uh, Dr. Munoz would have been out there tipping his hat to people. That's how nice it was. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I, I plan to make it within uh, this year or... I don't. I mean, not not this year, but uh, the next or the next one after that, depending on if I can get it. Yeah, no. Right it's now, two years. So you got a two-year run-up. Oh yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But it's awful. I am with money. Three. That's my fault. But <laughs> well, no, I mean, obviously, you know, cats gotta eat, kids gotta play. I'm sure. not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know. Find a way, buddy. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely going to try and figure that out. Uh, next year, I'm definitely also going to try and get to Fan X in Salt Lake City. So I yeah. don't know about that show. Is that a good show? I, I, I don't know. It's just in Salt Lake City, and I have friends who live there, so I don't have to pay for a hotel room if I go. Right. There you go. That's a good sign. <laughs> No, I, I don't. Is it is that a, is that like a big um, multimedia show? Is it like Read Pop type show, like I, Fan Expo in Canada, or is it its own crazy I, I, thing? I think like Salt I, Lake City does. I, I think it's more of kind of like the uh, uh, multi multi nerd show kind of thing, mm-hmm. like Wizard World, but hopefully uh, uh, not run by crooks. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say that. I just wanted to say, like, kind of not like... Not run by alleged crooks. Not terrible, because, like, I went yeah. to Wizard World, and I'm like, this is just... This feels like a vendor show, but everything costs too much. <laughs> yeah, the um, yeah in, in Chicago, uh, uh, C2E2 sort of came into that space and, and bullied Wizard World out of it. I think Wizard World still shows up, but it's... It hasn't been a fun show to go to for a long, long time. Wizard World hasn't, and it's much nicer to go to C2E2. So hopefully FanX will be more C2E2, less Wizard World. Yeah, yeah. So this has been me bagging on some other convention that I used to <laughs> take that conventions. Hey, Ken, can I ask you uh, one of those nostalgia questions? Uh, sure. What was uh, what was your first uh, convention that you went to? What was? Uh... Oh, man. It was... It was some science fiction convention. Uh, you know what? The first one I ever went to was a Star Trek convention. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a real science fiction convention. It was just a Star Trek convention. <laughs> and it was uh, in Oklahoma City. And it was uh, right before Star Trek, uh, the motion picture came out. Cool. So God knows when that would have been. 1970 hell or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like 79, 80. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the motion picture was, I want to say 79. Yeah. Only I had some sort of computer system in front of me that could find that out. Yeah, I just know I have a, a 36-year-old yeah, so cousin named Ilea. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so the so the convention must have been in '79, uh, drumming up attention with the movie. And I remember uh, one of the uh, uh, George Takei was there, and I forget who else, but I remember that um, uh, um, when it was it was time to do the big announcement. They were like, "We're so, we're sorry to announce that Lieutenant Sulu cannot make it." to the show and remember, oh my God, everyone's rending their garments. And they said, but Lieutenant Commander Sulu is here. And, then, <laughs> and so that was, I, I think that was my first ever uh, convention was, I was uh, probably 14 years old when I went to um, uh, the uh, Star Trek show. And then shortly thereafter, I began going to science fiction and comic shows in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. 
And so I went to a couple of Sooner Cons and Wonder Cons, which is what they were called yeah. uh, back in the day. And then um, uh, after I moved to Chicago, of course, I started going to Gen Con regularly because it was in Milwaukee, which was just up the road. Sure. Um, cool. And so you could, back in those days, yeah. uh, Chaosium would give you a badge and a and pile you into a hotel room like cordwood, and then they would <laughs> pizza. So your only cost was the $20 train ticket and liquor. Oh, wow, cool. So that was the way to do Gen Con back in those ancient times. Um, so uh, yeah, that was that was my story, was uh, Lieutenant Commander Sulu uh, showing up at some, uh, no doubt miserable, exploitive uh, Star Trek convention that my poor dad had to go to. <laughs> but I'm sure he had fun. Yeah, no, my mom would always just drop me off at Rose City Comic Con and be like, all right, I'll pick you up at five. <laughs> I I very much remember that my, my dad was at that show with me, that he was standing there during the announcement thing and um, rolling his eyes probably. <laughs> if I know my dad, that is what he was doing. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about some uh, northern frosty... Uh, Northern Frosty, great old ones like uh, Rantagoth and uh, Athagwa, or how, however people like to pronounce that one. I like to hit the Q harder and say Ithaqua, ah. because that way people can tell that you're not saying Sathagwa and just slurring it. Nice, okay. So wow. if you say Ithaqua and you hit the K on the Q, then that will generally clear things up. All right. I mean, obviously, haters going to hate. But... <laughs> Okay, so um, let's see. Rantagoth, um, that's, that's an H.P. Lovecraft one, correct? Yeah, that's from uh, Horror of the Museum, which is a ridiculous uh, camp story on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. And Rantagoth is a ridiculous camp great old one. Um, he's sort of just... Uh, one of the many nice things about Lovecraft is, I guess what I've called um, the... Uh, uh, his, his cubist, well, I didn't call it that, Graham Harmon called it that, but I used that, his cubist approach to description where he just provides a bunch of different things that you see, but if you realize no actual perspective could draw those in or that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So you've got wings and tubes and proboscises and claws and this and that, and by the time he's finished, it's like, wow, for a thing that's undescribable, you spent a paragraph describing it there, Howard. Mm -hmm, but yeah. <laughs> you realize at the end of that, you don't actually have a better vision of it than you did to begin with. And in fact, your vision is sort of clouded and corrupt and weird and crazy. Um, and I, I think that uh, he sort of does that. He, 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 he gets a lot of stick from people. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what he's trying to do with that technique, he's doing it again with Rantiga. It's just that he doesn't really care about Rantigoth because he belongs in a revision story by Hazel Heald, and he's just sure. doing it with, um, at the very least, uh, sort of fast, uh, you know, writing like he's renting it, um, and maybe with some aspect of of parody or self-parody or tongue-in-cheek attitude. Uh, some, some scholars are a little fast, I think, to find parody in Lovecraft. Um, I. He is happy to do it in his letters, but I think that you have to look at the fiction. At the very least, you have to begin with the assumption that it's possible the fiction just is sloppy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that yeah. Lovecraft doesn't have a bigger agenda. Um, but with things like the horror in the museum, where there is literally a whole uh, 
uh, adults gallery, the adults alcove that is full of great old ones made out of wax. Maybe Lovecraft is having a little fun with this one. Yeah. And um, Rantigoth is uh, a vampire monster in that it, it uh, subsists on blood sacrifice. Uh, it used to rule Alaska, was dragged out of the Noatak River region of Alaska by uh, the, the vile Mr. Rogers. Um, not the good Mr. Rogers, the other one. <laughs> the other one. Um, the one who doesn't one. take his shoes off when he sits down. Exactly. The <laughs> one who, when he sends you to a land of imagination, it's not a good thing. Um, and uh, and the, um, uh, the the local Eskimos are all, um, no, we're not going to remove the giant frozen great old one. Are you insane? And so he has to go to American, um, uh, 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 one assumes, you know, gold miners or, or lumber people or, or something and, and recruit them to do it from Nome and they have to drag it out on sledges and they have to lie and, 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 and say, oh no, this isn't a giant frozen great old one. This is, um, soil samples or, or something like that. So there, there's sort of a, a weird comic beginning to how he gets this literal great old one to a wax museum in South London, Yeah, uh, which is where he winds up. And then I think during the uh, famous Lost episode, you and I had a lot of fun over the notion that Rantigoth, this great old one, this monster of the ice, this thing from the beginning of the world, uh, very much like the thing. and. That would make that would make a much better the thing. Yeah. If you have you have a flying saucer, you've got a great old one. But anyway, um, uh, that the uh, the the, uh, the 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 horror in the museum is nearly twenty feet tall. <laughs> and you're like, so it's about the size of an elephant. Very terrifying. No, it's more like the size of two elephants near each other and it also has trunks like elephant <laughs> but they suck blood for example of a cat <laughs> remember the stories like well if we can't you know sacrifice you i'll, I'll sacrifice a cat it'll be great rantigoth likes that too it's like really dracula wouldn't want a cat dracula would throw it. and he's just a guy he's just a, a romanian and yeah. then for, or, I'm sorry, a Hungarian. Excuse me, Dracula. <laughs> My bad. Um, but uh, but Rantigoth is going to be okay with a cat or a dog or whatever. It's, yeah. it's just a. He's a weirdly small monster for all the the, the crazy Lovecraftian buildup and for the sort of cosmic implication that he's uh, fallen down from Yugath. Perhaps he's a, a being like Gatnathoa, who also comes to us from Yugath. Um, that he's, uh, you know, he, 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 he terrified the people of Lomar, who, if you remember, are the guys from Polaris, yeah. uh, way back in Lovecraft's early uh, turnout, and, and um, they, they had a war with uh, Rantigoth for a million years. It's like, really? These guys can, you know, send their minds through time and they can't fight a 40-foot monster? <laughs> Did they not develop the tank <laughs> in Lomar? It's just, it just, he just seems like a weirdly small-scale a uh, 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 thing for, uh, for for Lovecraft, who is, of course, famously, you know, even when he's got a weirdly small-scale monster, you find out, oh, it was just the front paw of a different monster. Yeah. And, and that's all very exciting. And, but nope, Rantigoth is just a, a, a lump of ice. And maybe, maybe, I guess we could save it by when they chipped him out of the ice, they were just chipping, like, a tiny parasite off of the actual Rantigoth. And real Rantigoth is like a you know, four miles square or something. And he's really big. Or but this they is got like 
ranting out like a uh, head louse or something. Yeah, or, or, or like some sort of like uh, bio machine that protects Rantagoth's shrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they got just one of the Xeno, uh, one of the Xenomorphs. Yeah. They didn't get, you know, the whole spaceship, the whole alien. Um, yeah, it's in the eighth Pneicotic Fragment that gives you the ritual to awaken it uh, from hibernation, which it strikes me as kind of a jerk move to write that down, but, you know. <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> and then the people of Lomar, of course, keep that ritual. They, that's not one of the ones that gets lost. They keep that one around. Lomar has bigger problems. How do they um, know that it activates it? Do they have one that deactivates but, it? It's like, okay, this turns well, it on, this turns it off. Yeah, uh, I guess. And, and then and then who loses the one that turns it off and keeps the one that turns it on? That's just sloppy. It's 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 in the uh, 15th fragment. Long, long, long lost. Long lost. <laughs> long lost. So I was like, oh, right, we should describe how to stop these things. That's on me. I was being possessed by a Yithian mind entity when I started this book. I'm so confused. Where where were we? Um, anyway, um, I like the I like the notion that um, uh, uh, Rantigoth is uh, is either uh, maybe he's created by Sathagwa or maybe he's mad at Sathagwa. I feel like both of them are up there in the polls. Yeah. One of them's in Omar and one of them's in Hyperborea. They have to have sort of squared off at some point. But we just know that um, uh, uh, Sathagwa is also in the museum, or rather, there's an image of Sathagwa in the museum. But uh, but he's not um, uh, he's not like fighting Rantigoth in it. Oh, something else that would be interesting is what if uh, Rantigoth Rantigoth is uh, one of uh, Aboth's uh, spawn. Who's like, oh yeah, I'm totally from Yagoth. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm yeah. really powerful. <laughs> right. No, I'm a great old one. Ah, look at my proboscises. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's um. There's uh. So so the 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 museum does not. I guess um. It's it does not recognize uh. uh climate zones or whatever because all the gods are just smushed up together yeah um but uh but yeah no i the, the notion that or maybe randigoth is is just not randigoth that you know rogers dug out a different thing from the ice yeah randigoth is like the next valley over <laughs> or it's the great, then, great old one equivalent of the fiji mermaid like the great old ones are like oh, right yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> Yeah, yeah Sathagwa and Ithakwa said, I don't know, let's get a muskox and put some crab feet on it. That'd be funny. <laughs> the, there is sort of a monster from Arctic lore, and I guarantee Lovecraft probably didn't know this, but it's called the Tupelak, mm -hmm. right? And the Tupelak, I don't know if you've done your Tupelak research, but the Tupelak is built by uh, a, an evil uh, shaman, um, and the evil shaman builds it out of animal parts and uh, you know dead people and whatnot, and then it stretches uh, like um, the the, uh, the skin of a, of a walrus or a, or a or something like that over it, mm -hmm. and brings it to life with his magic. So maybe Rantigoth is a Tupelak, but he's made by either a Lamarian wizard. Or he's made by you know one of the non-humans like the Gnafka or like the Inutos that that uh, destroy um, uh, Lomar. Maybe he's a weapon in the war of the Inutos against Lomar. 
Hmm. It's a two black built. The specific pneumatic uh, fragment just tells you how to wake up anything you find in the ice. <laughs> and and most people just used it for you know their their aunt Mildred if she went wandering off and they'd oh well better use the ritual get her back. The notion that it's this sort of polar bear and a walrus and a narwhal and all kind yeah. of thing jambled up together. But like I say, I think that we are just looking at this. And this is the fun of Lovecraft, of course. Oh yeah, is that Lovecraft gets just so close to, you know, what he would call the verisimilitude of the hoax, which uh -huh. is his principle of the weird tale. And so we can just kind of talk ourselves into believing things, like, oh well, he we know he looked up something about Greenland for Call of Cthulhu because mm -hmm. he puts the Cthulhu uh, cult up there in Greenland with the with the Eskimos. Maybe he did read about the Tupelac and it stuck in his head, and then it sort of came bubbling out later. But again, if Lovecraft wanted us to believe that Rantigoth is made out of parts of other monsters, wouldn't he have said it? Isn't that just too cool? <laughs> yeah. The notion that uh, the Lomarian Frankenstein, whoever he is, is building this mega Tupelac out of pieces of other, like, so he's got Yugath, uh, um, uh, Migo claws and uh, Chagnar fawn spawn proboscises and, you know, Sathagwa fur or something like that. And he's just piling it all up and making this sort of great old Tupelac. <laughs> it's just fun though, because yeah. I mean, the, the, one of the one of the nice things about the mythos is that because Lovecraft says um, that the mythos is behind all human legendry, mm -hmm. you find any human legend and then it can be a fun exercise as I do in uh, Hideous Creatures, he said, plug, plug, um, to think how does, how does that, that legendary monster actually a Cthulhu monster? How is that part of the mythos? You know, what, what version of the myth takes you from, you know, a, a Rantigoth to a Tupelac, from a, a Gnafket to the six-legged thing that the um, uh, that the Eskimos actually do believe will drown you if you're if you're bad. We're gonna also be talking about uh, a Thagwa if we're gonna right. be talking about northern uh, northern uh, beyond the uh, timberline, uh, right? Great old ones, and or uh, as as I call him. August Derleth's best idea. Yeah. I love Ithakwa. I think Ithakwa is great. I think that unlike Cthulhu, who is just sort of a blob and you don't care, and it's just fire. Ah. I mean, <laughs> I need I, a I fire elemental that, for this. I need a to fire work. elemental. Let's <laughs> give it a name. Let's barely spend any time thinking about it. Cthulhu, there we go. We're done. He's just going to show up off screen. Great. But. I think living in Wisconsin, uh, August Derleth knew what really bad cold felt like. Yeah. And I think that got literally under his skin and made him think a little harder about Ithaqua. And so when you see um, his short story, Ithaqua, his story, um, uh, uh, what is it? The Thing That Walked on the Wind. Those are good stories and those really work, I think, as, I mean, they don't, they're not, you know, Shadow over Innsmouth, but they are they are much better than I think people expect from from good old August. Yeah. I mean, what's what's your take? Do you when, when you've read um, those Ithaqua stories, is that a is that a thing that um, uh, were, were you I, like ah, Darlene, stop messing with us? No, I like those. I I really like those a lot. And for someone who once spent a Thanksgiving in Duluth, Minnesota, with like negative oh <laughs> sixty, and uh, oh man, it was. It, it just was like 
that that was like I didn't I didn't think of at the mountains of madness. I thought of <laughs> and it was just like this like this this cold that just like hits you in your bones and it just hurts. <laughs> and you're like I shouldn't even be outside. This is this is awful. <laughs> yeah, I... Humans are not evolved to exist in this temperature. Yeah. Right. You're just like this is this is caveman times. I, yeah. I need to grow a, a, another layer of subcutaneous fat and uh, which by the way explains Chicago I'll point out um, <laughs> and so Ithaqua is so great and so terrific in those uh, two Durleth stories and of course Durleth took the sort of concept of this monstrous embodiment of the waste from Algernon Blackwood's story The Wendigo mm -hmm. which is an all time classic magnificent story and then personified it in the way that uh, Lovecraft did a little bit and Durleth did a lot. But he still has Ithaqua be, I think, fundamentally bigger than the story in the way that Cthulhu is and Cthulhu isn't, if you get mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Right? Cthulhu is so transparently just there as the break glass to end story thing that you don't care. But Ithaqua, because he's the main menace, not the, you know, fire bell you ring at the end. Yeah is i mean you believe when when Durleth lays out all those towns in um uh, canada that are being depopulated you believe in that that yes and he does it and he doesn't you know you you don't like um uh stop him or drive him back he just sort of stops it's just a it's just a really good uh story all the way through i think nice and then ithak was uh the cosmic qualities of ithaqua maybe are borrowed from uh our buddy uh uh, Blackwood, but Durleth doesn't step on them, mm -hmm. in my opinion, right? I'm, yeah. And uh, I think, and this is going to be radical, so I think even Brian Lumley's first Ithaqua story, Born of the Winds, mm -hmm. is good. Okay. I mean, Brian Lumley's short stories are by and large better than his novels anyway, All in right. my opinion. But Born of the Winds keeps the sort of terror quality of Ithaqua that Durleth has found and keeps some of the cosmicism. Again, it's it's not, I think, even as good as The Thing That Walked on the Wind, but I think that it is, it is a good, strong horror story. And then, of course, Ithaqua becomes sort of the bad guy in the um, uh, uh, Titus Crow stories mm -hmm. uh, with Spot on the Winds, and then he's just basically like a mean wizard. He's, he's sort of yeah. like a Saruman uh, who's very tall. And, and uh, because Carter just keeps, you know, thumbing his nose at him and getting away, it begins to ruin Ithaqua over and over and over. And so by the time that they get to Boria, which is supposedly Ithaqua's home plane, yeah, whatever. I mean, he's basically been been stepped on too much by that point, in my opinion. But that very first one, Board of the Winds, I mm -hmm. think is, is pretty good. Me. All right. Yeah. Nice. I, I... I haven't gotten that one. Uh, I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> yeah. I have to check I mean, that one out. Again, you know, have to is a strong word. Yeah. Um, uh, many people can go full, beautiful lives without ever reading Brian Lumley. But uh, if you're going to read Brian Lumley, I think the short stories are often surprisingly good, or even not surprisingly good once you've read enough of them, uh, that, they're, that they're really very good. And then his Ithaqua one, which you think would be terrible because he's so... He so waters down Ithaqua in the later novels mm -hmm. is is actually pretty strong. That that uh, that that first uh, Ithaqua story is is really good. Many of his stories are excellent, and he's done some good stuff. And um, but yeah, no, I mean, 
this is the thing is that you, you these monsters are sort of birthed out into the universe by Lovecraft or whoever, mm -hmm. or Durleth in this case. And, you know, Durleth tried to keep other people from writing bad Lovecraft, but he was too busy doing it himself. Yeah. And, you know, it's just the way of the world. You, 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 it, it is as though, I guess, we were like, all vampires are bad. I'm never going to read another vampire book because Twilight or whatever, mm -hmm. or whatever bad, or, or Necroscope. But that's that's not true. I mean, some vampire books are terrific. I mean, Dracula's magnificent, Carmilla's magnificent. There's a bunch of magnificent vampire books. Uh, Fever Dream by a guy named George R. R. Martin. Well, I have no idea what happened to him, but he wrote an amazing vampire novel. Huh. Um, and then, uh, but but you can't you can't say Ithok was a lame monster just because he's lame in the Titus Crow series sure. by Brian Lumley. Titus uh, Ithaqua is an amazing monster and began as a, an amazing monster, a clone of a perhaps more amazing monster, the, the sort of much more deftly hinted at Wendigo by uh, Blackwood, but he's still great. He's still a great old, he put the great back in a great old one. And the sort of notion that maybe he's imprisoned at the North Pole, maybe he's imprisoned in the state of coldness itself uh so that if it's a really cold day in iran he can drop a dead guy there <laughs> but most days no he can't get to iran because it isn't cold enough huh. and that notion that there's a that there's a, a great old one who waxes and wanes based on this sort of wild unpredictable thing uh is is i think kind of neat i mean it, it's sort of lovecraft's the stars come right only with something that as opposed to you know, waiting for some imaginary conjunction of stars. It's like, oh, is it really super? Are we in Duluth on Thanksgiving? <laughs> yes, the Nathakwa is almost certainly out there messing with you in the oh, way yeah. that the full moon now means werewolves to us. Huh. Now I'm thinking about uh, the hypergeometry, like uh, bringing the hypergeometry of like bringing cold to an area and then using it to move things through, like dumping a dead body using using cold as a transmitting device. Anyway. <laughs> oh, so you'd, you'd like set up an enormous refrigerator and then you'd dump the dead body in it and the would take it away. <laughs> that are the polar bears. <laughs> well, it'd have to be open to the sky because that's oh, the other great yeah. thing about Ithaqua is he sort of, you know, seeps down or, or claws down from the sky that he's got that big uh, wind walker uh, quality to him, yeah. which is, again, just a terrific phrase. I, I hope August Roulette took the afternoon off after he came up with, you know, the phrase Windwalker. That was so good. <laughs> no, he came up with 30 other ones that weren't as good and used that them weren't all as for good. something else. He did not take the afternoon off. He no. banged more He banged more <laughs> phrases out. He got to work. That's not how you make an August Durleth uh, happen. He's like, I need to come up with 20 more of these and find an even tighter turtleneck for my next photograph. <laughs> and that's hard because he's, he's, by now he's got to be ordering them from Chicago. He can't just go to stores in Sauk City anymore. Oh, yeah. Why, Mr. Durleth, I don't believe that we sell turtlenecks of that constriction here. <laughs> well, I want a super tight <laughs> velour <laughs> turtleneck by next week. It's got to make my veins pop. And it's got to match my big round desk. Yes. <laughs> the coolest desk. I, I, anytime I talk to people about Durleth, a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times people are like, that desk's the best. And I'm like, I know. 
I'm, I feel bad now. We, we did a whole segment on Derleth, and I never mentioned his desk. Well, that's why I'm bringing it up now, Ken. Right. Well, he, he, he designed <laughs> that whole that whole house. He sort of was his own architect. Really? I did not on, know that. On, on that uh, building. So huh. he probably designed that desk himself. That's a real cool. polymath, our August. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's um, the Athakma cycle, obviously, is one of the Chaosium anthologies, and it mm-hmm. has Robert M. Price's wise words on Athakma and... Uh, Lots of great stories and lots of not as great stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, those Chaosium uh, collections tend to be a bit like that. It's like, hey, here's the three that you know really, really well. Here's some that you didn't know that are pretty good. And here's a whole, uh, here, here's some that, uh, hey, here's some. <laughs> uh, yeah. here, are, here are also some books. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but but that's one of the things about those books is that Price, and I think this is to be uh, to his credit, mm-hmm. he is not attempting to create a great anthology in the sense of a bunch of good stories. No, he is attempting to build a picture of the deity as he has been depicted before. Sure, and then maybe. You know, at the very if there, if if, you, if the if the table of contents is short, yeah, he'll he'll put in a, a you know a, he'll write a story or he'll or commission a story. But a lot of them are, you know, stories that appeared um, in various other uh, you know sources. And remember, in the '90s, we didn't know Amazon was coming. Yeah, we didn't know you'd ever be able to order any <laughs> of these stories ever. Yeah, and or... so if you don't think of them as anthologies and you think of them more as archives. Uh-huh. I think you get a, a, a better sense of, of what's going on with them. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I have to say, uh, what I really like about it is he, those those particular books, I, I don't feel like he is like trying to rewrite or come up with his uh, concept of a great old one, but definitely uh, reemphasizes who like definitely kind of like uh, Chaosium and various writers have wanted you to think about Sathogwa or Ithagwa or Haster or any of those. And I don't know, I I think they're great, really good for uh, just kind of like fun, quick reference if you're coming up with ideas or I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't always think of those ones necessarily as like for like, just like, I'm gonna casually read about Sathogwa today. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, unless you're me or you, yeah. I don't think that that ever happens. But, <laughs> I mean, back in the day, back in the 90s, when, when Chaosium was pumping those out, mm-hmm. um, this was all just uh, strip mine for stories, right? Or for games, right? Yeah. You'd, you'd read the story and be like, oh, that's a cool thing that happened in this not very good story. Great. Uh-huh. I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to have my wizard do it or my uh, nephew die in this way or whatever it is yeah, that it you like- needed. And it was very, it was just like, a big old um, uh, keeper uh, resources. Know, exactly, <laughs> like a jumble shop. You know, you just go, ah, oh, dolls' heads. I can use those. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so the yeah, the notion of of Ithaqua is uh, is is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess sort of on the other side, on the other hook of that, because he's he's very toyetic in the mm-hmm. sense. I, I I like to use the word toyetic to annoy people. Um, <laughs> It's, I forget who came up with it, some toy company uh, uh, guru. But the notion is that there are some toys that there's a, you can think of a bunch of different ways to play with them. Mm-hmm. And those toys are more toyetic than other toys. Yeah. And so I like the idea of fiction or any other resource, history, I suppose, being toyetic in the sense that we can play with it 
in gaming in a way that you can't maybe with some other things. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That if Aqua is toyetic it, because he's got so many things that he sticks into and so many weird little qualities and, and strange pieces because he's this sort of layer of Blackwood and this layer of Durleth and this sort of borrowed bits of Lovecraft, you know, and so there's a lot of things that sort of stick off of him mm -hmm. and, and, and even Lumley. Um, and you can play with those uh, in a way that you can't with Cthulhu, who is just a big ball of fire. Fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like fire can't make stories happen, but, you know, really? I yeah. mean, once you've played Backdraft the Mythos version once, you're kind of done. You know. Yeah, no, it, it's like uh, I, I think I've used uh, I've I've used it once for like kind of a Centerville PA style game and yeah, yeah, right, yeah. That you have a, a notion of, but but even there, like the Centerville is is a is a fire, but it's burning underground all the time. Yeah, and you'd almost think that's Tulcha or uh, Abhoth or something. Uh -huh. Not really. Cthulhu, of course, falls down out of out of Fomalhaut and messes with you. Yeah. So you know, again, you know, whatever, but. Uh, but I think that Ithaqua, because of his roots in real lore, because of Blackwood having done such an amazing story about that concept, and because Durleth was really, you know, bringing his A game, mm -hmm. I think that Ithaqua is is much stronger and bigger and better than um, uh, than um, uh, you know some of these other well, late jo Johnny come latelys. Yeah. Yeah, who, who who would some of these Johnny come latelys be? Well, I mean, we've already been banging on Cthulhu all the time. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think a lot. I mean, uh, Brian Lumley's Yibt Stull uh -huh. is a great one-off. I mean, because the, the the notion of the black binding and the demon that gets in your blood and you're uh -huh. dripping, you know, that's pretty great. But uh -huh. again, where where now? <laughs> is this a great old one? Can you really tell cosmic? level stories about this guy or is it just a bad thing that happens to you if you read a, a book yeah um and then by comparison i'm a gigantic fan of quachil utaus yeah from clark ashton smith uh because even though he's only in one story he seems like there's a lot more you could do with him the sort mm -hmm. of weird mummified fetus that stops time and ages you there's a lot of stuff going on with quachil utaus i think Right? Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. And, and so it's not even just, is there is, is he in one story or is he in a bunch of stories? It's just, what's the sort of basic concept? I mean, again, uh, Lovecraft gives you Dagon and Hydra. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, they're both real mythological things, but do you need both Dagon and Hydra? Not necessarily. Aren't they kind of doing the same thing in the story? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, get, I guess why it's in there, because the story's about bad sex and so you need a boy and a girl uh -huh. but um, uh, uh, but if you're trying to do a game is there a point where you're like well should I use Dagon or Hydra for this no it doesn't mm -hmm. matter they're both identical they're just big deep ones and maybe if you're going to tie it into the bible you use Dagon or to Greek myth you use Hydra mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they don't really they don't stick out They you can't imagine doing something with Dagon for example that Lovecraft hasn't already pretty much done with Dagon. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, again, because there is a real god named Dagon, once you start digging into the, you know, Syrian fertility cults of the, you know, 23rd century BC, mm -hmm. 
you see, maybe you can find one or two cool things, likewise with the Greek Hydra, but that's not really the, what the, the, the mythos end of it looks like. The mythos yeah. is just, it's a really big deep one. <laughs> All right, that is scary. You're not wrong, but is it cosmic? No. Whereas Cthulhu is super cosmic and Durlitz Cthulhu, weirdly, this is an entirely off topic point. Sure. Durlitz Cthulhu, I think is more cosmic than Lovecraft's Cthulhu. If you look at in Trail of Cthulhu, the, uh, the Cthulhu that is presented there is a dimension because okay. they're trying to open the gate to him in Peru and they're trying to open the gate to him a bunch of places. And when they do, there's just this dimension that is entirely made of Cthulhu. Okay. That he permeates it all. And his hideous tentacles and squidness are just sort of like what that dimension looks like pressed up against our universe. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a much bigger concept. And you can say much less deftly handled. I'm not going to say you're wrong. But it, the concept itself is more cosmic than this guy was an alien that fell to Earth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, no diss on Cthulhu. Cthulhu is the best. But it's the living embodiment of an evil dimension is more cosmic. Sure, definitely. By, by, by dint of, of scope, if nothing else. And so if you can look at any of the great old ones in that, and I don't want to say that Durlethi way, but let's say that Durlethi way. And so you look at Ithaqua, the best thing about him is he already comes that way because he's this sort of cosmic quality that he's everything in the sky. Uh, he's the, the, the bad wind. Yeah. Um, that, that will mess with you. And um, uh, and so you could imagine a tropical Ithaqua who brings malaria instead of um, uh, instead of icicles. Yeah. Um, and what happens when in malaria? Oh, well, that's right. You have chills, don't you? You shiver and shake. It's as though you're being chilled from the inside. It's as though Ithaqua's on that wind, too. So you can extend Ithaqua in this way that sort of feels right and poetic yeah. in a way that you can't with a lot of these other gods. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird to think that you can actually have Ithaqua be something that's related to hurricanes in the South Pacific as as well as have Ithaqua be something that affects you elsewhere. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, yeah, then you're like, well, you know, whatever else is going on in the Bahamas, at least we're safe from Ithaqua because yeah. it never gets hot. It never gets cold down here. Oh, rats, hurricanes. Yeah. And hurricanes, of course, also have weird patches of cold in, in their in their middle it's not it's not all like superheated air mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the air is like super cold because a lot of times it's it you know the uh, it's expended so much energy blowing around that the actual temperature of the air has dropped yeah so maybe there's like a little ithaqua nodule in the middle of those hurricanes then you look like a chump because you thought you were safe from ithaqua all you've done is decimate your island <laughs> Price sort of goes into sort of these ancient wind gods as sort of models of Ithaqua, which I yeah. think is entirely the wrong direction yeah. in the sense that no one involved thought twice about any of those things. But it also very much shows that the concept of Ithaqua as this wind elemental, this air elemental, mm -hmm. is super strong and super good uh, because it's so, it's, it's almost so seamless the way that uh, Price can hook it up to the storm gods of the Hittites or whoever. And then they do that, of course, in the very, very classic uh, uh, pagan publishing Ithaqua uh, campaign. Yeah, The Walker in the Wastes. Mm -hmm. If you remember that or if you've played that before. Yes. Yeah, um, no, I, they, I didn't play went, it. 
but I, I, I uh, listened to them play it on yogsothoth.com a couple couple right. years back. John Crow uh, went and did just unfathomable amounts of research mm -hmm. on you know wind gods and the Arctic and everything else uh, that you could possibly imagine, and then dumped it all in there. Uh, and then so it's it's another example I think of of why Ithaqua is so great that he can support something like that. That's, that's one of those genuinely great uh, role-playing campaigns. And it's really just, you know, if it was just, oh no, we're cold, over and over and over again, yeah. you couldn't build the whole story out of that. But it's got so much other great stuff going on. That should be a good point to cut it on the Athagwa uh, there. And sure. uh, these guys here, so. Ken, thank you so much for talking about icy cold space monsters and, <laughs> and the like. And, well, yes, uh, all monsters in space are icy cold. Very true, very true. Except Cthuga, <laughs> who's too boring to be cold even in space. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, no, it, it's, it's, it's always good fun to come on and, and to sort of take these two disparate bits of the mythos and see what we can... Yeah, you know, make them, make them kiss. <laughs> <laughs> let's take those uh, let's take those uh, mythos Legos and see what weird stuff we can build. <laughs> exactly, we can build out those. All right, thanks again, Ken. No, happy to do it anytime. All right. Well, everyone, that's been the episode on Athagwa. Ran to Goth again, you know, on all the frosty ice monsters that we wanted to talk about. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep it squiggly and stay weird. Check out our new website over at pgttcm.com. Check out the new PGTTCM merch over at pgttcm.threadless.com. That stuff helps us out a lot more than, than you'd think. Just by getting a join a cult shirt or something like that, buy something, give it to your nephew, whatever. Who cares? Support the show. Two new shirts. Check out our Ratfink-inspired Sathagwa shirt and our new Join a Cult shirt. Donate some coins, caps, credits, or whatever flat currency from your favorite sci-fi fantasy setting to our PayPal, paypal.me slash pgttcm. Money keeps the show going, and your name's on the show credits. Join one of our various cults. Also message me on Facebook so I know about it. I'm just one person running this podcast stream and all of its social media. Thanks again to Seraphie for helping out in the earlier part of this episode. Again, she has to go get her kids when we decide to record. So next time we're going to record earlier, and uh, here's a little bit more about with uh, Ken Hyde. It didn't quite fit in, but I thought it'd be fun to put in right here. Really? That's where we're going with this? Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think it's the sort of thing that it, it, it's like... You can see that this is the pile of Legos that when Charles Strauss picks it up, he, he builds, I think, a nicer car out of. But it's the same Legos. So yeah. if you like those Legos, knock yourself out. Don't let me boss you around. <laughs> yeah, no, don't let Ken boss you around. Yeah. I mean, you, you DB, you have to let me boss you around. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole point of this right here. But right. yeah, no. <laughs> or unless you get one of uh, Ken's books, like, uh, and, you, and, you, and you decide that you want to follow it to the letter, then you let Ken boss you around. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. If you if you make my books a, a, a blueprint for your life, well, please, please pick any other book. Well, not any other book. You know what? Stick with my books. 